So, Bridge City Church, why are we here? Our name is Bridge City Church. We're here to knock down walls and build bridges into the community so that people can, uh, number one, one, and our, our end goal is to have them come to a knowledge and understanding of Jesus Christ and his love and his plan and his purpose for each one of us in this place. So, bridges take time to build, it's hard work, and lots of resources pour into them, but there are great rewards when we pursue that. So, let's pursue that this morning. So um, I think it was about 10 years ago we were having um, sharing a cup of tea in someone's outdoor area uh, back in Lamaru where we come from and I was sitting opposite my beloved wife Barb and I glanced down under the chair there was a large grey huntsman spider. Yeah. And... Um, Barbara's blissfully aware of that particular situation she found herself in. Now, for those, my beloved, I've known for a long time, she has an absolute fear of spiders. So I managed to graciously not say... I had this overwhelming temptation to actually say to her, Barb, there's a spider under your chair, but I, I resisted the temptation, resisted the temptation, and we managed to get her... There's been other incidents when she's climbed over people to get out of a car when she's seen a spider uh, in her vicinity... So, um, so I want to talk a little bit about fears this morning, about phobias, and oh, not, not so much phobias. I've got a list of we're just going to run through the A to Z of phobias really quickly. You can have a look at some of these, see if you can relate. Here we go. Just keep scrolling through. Look at that. A to Z. There's lots. Going. Nearly about halfway through. <laughs> o P And that's it, we've got to the end. The ADZ of the article I took that from called them the sum of all fears. My favourite, as I read that through, was genuphobia, a fear of knees. Puts you, fear of knees. That puts you in a really difficult situation, doesn't it? Because even you've got to sit, whenever you sit down, you're going to see your own <laughs> knees. So. so it did perplex me. And I, but I don't want to make, I'm sorry, I don't want to make a lot of, of people's concerns and things that, that, that do affect them, but that's not my heart in that, but just to, to reflect on that we are all individuals and things that do come um, and cause us to be fearful. And this morning's scripture is going to come out of 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 8 to 23. So if you've got your Bible here, just feel free to thumb to that part and have a bit of a look. We'll go from there. It talks about, this is the story about Elisha and his servant. So as a precursor to the, to the scripture that I'll read in a moment, uh, the nation of Israel was, was at war with Aram. And uh, the, king was frustrated, the king of Aram was frustrated that every time the army's plans were set out and they, and they moved, they were mobilised to a point to attack the Israelites. Um, there they were, ready to receive them. They'd, they'd pick another place, they'd go there to um, attack and the Israel army was there again. And... 
the, uh, Elisha the prophet was identified as a problem. The scripture says that he even knew the words of the king that he spoke in his own bedroom. So he had an intimate knowledge through God about what was to come. So he was using that to frustrate and thwart the, uh, the kingdom of Aram. Yeah. So let's pick up the story where the king of Aram seeks to take Elisha out of the situation. So he says, go and find out where he is, the king commands, so I can send troops to seize him. And the report came back, Elisha is at Dothan. So one night the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes and when he looked up, he saw the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. As the Aramean army approached, advanced towards him, Elisha prayed, O Lord, please make them blind. So the Lord struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. Then Elisha went out and told them, You have come to the wrong way. This isn't the city right city. Follow me and I'll take you to the man you are looking for. And led them to the city of Samaria. As soon as they arrived in Samaria, Elisha prayed, O Lord, now open their eyes and let them see. So the Lord opened their eyes and they discovered that they were in the middle of Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he shouted to Elisha, My father, should I kill them? Of course, Elisha replied, we, do we kill prisoners of war? Give them food and drink and send them on their home, to the home to their master. So the king made a great feast for them and they sent them home to the master. After that, the Aramean raiders stayed away from the land of Israel. That's the story of the small excerpt that I'm going to focus on this morning. Is displayed at the moment, which says, simply says, don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than there are on yours. Then Elisha prayed, O oh Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. We're going to focus on that this morning. Don't be afraid, or fear not, was the words of the key word that struck me as I, as I read through that 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 passage so what does fear do to us how does that manifest itself in our life if we find ourselves in fear it limits our world it shrinks the size of us it shrinks our capacity to do what god's called us to do it makes us it makes us step back i can in my mind so i can see that picture the township of dothan apparently was on a hillside so he could see the as the servant stepped out of that tent that morning to make his morning coffee he would he would had that sensation of being completely surrounded by this incredible army at that point. Chariots are the weapons of mass destruction of that time. They were a weapon that were used with great effect in that place. So there were chariots there as well. Yeah, and I imagine he was in that surrounding point. He was probably thinking that this was it. This is this is the end of the line for me. I'm I'm not going to be able to get out of this situation. Yeah. yeah, his life was determined at that point. And it was actually held at the whim of the Aramean forces. His destiny was set in his eyes. What will we do now? 
that point, when we're at that point of fear, what will we do now? And we've, many of us have been at that point, what can we do in that point of fear? And I sense that it becomes a siege mentality. At that point, that siege mentality becomes out. If you see that, that picture of being surrounded by everything that wants to attack you, that comes into it. When we're in a siege mentality, our attitude changes. When we're in a siege mentality, our behaviour changes. We do things differently. When, and our values can also change when we, if we allow that siege mentality to embrace us and get into our, into our heads. Yeah. And we understand that we get, there's a possibility of any sort of a cyclone or a, just some sort of a, a flood or a disruption, then people gather resources, don't they? All the things that are important, that used to be important, change. They just pursue other stuff. It's really interesting. <laughs> we panic now if we can't get things at the right moment at that point. If we have a public holiday and the shops are shut, we all panic. We go and buy a little bit extra so that we don't run out. And of course, the, our dear friend COVID also revealed us so clearly at that point of what, it likes, what it's like to be in that siege mentality where we, we just are fearful of that lack of resource in our lives. Number two, fear takes our focus. Takes our focus. Physiology shows that when we're in that point of fear, our peripheral vision, peripheral vision to each side of us, it, it goes away, and we begin. We, our, 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 um, field of vision is, is limited. It's brought down to that point. We begin to have a tunnel vision. Have you heard of tunnel vision? Yeah, we get that tunnel vision. Yeah. Again, can we put ourselves in that position of that servant? Two men pitted against a great army, not just infantry, but as I said before, weapons of mass destruction, chariots. So I guess in the natural, we had reason to be fearful. I think it was, he was justified to think that this was a, a tough situation to find yourself in. Yeah. He needed a friend to set him straight at that point, didn't he? He needed someone to come in and speak into his life when he couldn't see what was coming. Yeah. Can I be honest with you today? Yeah. As we do our faith walk together in, in the church, it's one of the things, in life in general, one of the things that I hear from people that's, is loneliness. They feel like they haven't, they've got a sense of distance and disconnection. <clears throat> and that's developed. Again, that, I don't think that's been helped by COVID in that point either. We understand that we are set apart, that we are holy. First Peter 9 tells us that you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvellous light. Special. I love that word special. Peculiar people. Not odd or weird, peculiar. But the reality for us as people of faith is that without a spiritual worldview, without an understanding that we are spirit, soul and body, if people think we're just soul and body, they do think that we're weird, I think. They think that we're a little bit different. And for us, as we walk this path, that it is a narrow path and the world's understanding of morality and folk truth widens. Our path begins to look all the more narrow at that point. Yeah, the way of the cross. I was having a session, a season in my life many years ago when I was really struggling because I had some issues with betrayal. Someone actually betrayed me quite significantly. So I rang our state president, 
um, and to, to speak to me about that because I felt that he would actually just put his arm around me and begin to stroke my head and tell me how I've been terribly hurt. But he said to me, Lord, uh, he said, it's the way of the Lord. It's the way of the cross to walk and walk in those places of betrayal and disappointment. So that's what Jesus does. Uh, that's what Elisha does to his servant. He gives it to him straight. How often do we need people to do the same thing for us, to give it to it straight? Let's, just, let's hear what we need to hear. Let's hear that truth pushed, um, imparted into our life. Because sometimes our brother and sister can see things that we can't. In that, in, that, in that season of fear, in that season of tunnel vision, our brothers and sisters can see things that we can't. And it's so important that we seek them out and allow them to minister and speak into their lives in those points of fear when, the thing, when we can't see beyond that in tunnel vision. To sow hope and clarity into our worlds at that point, when we're in that part, point of commission, to be, to be the minister of reconciliation and clarity in those people's worlds. And through the word, the, the living word of God shared at the right time, at the right place. That's a very incredibly valuable thing to do. We need a David to say to us, then all the, as he said to, um, to Goliath, then all of the assembly shall know that the Lord does not say with a sword and a spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give, to you, give it into your hands. We need a Moses to tell us, the Lord will fight for you, you need only to be still. Be still. Number three, fears changes our perspective. Changes the way that we see things. Another story of me at the swimming pool when I was a young lad, at the, um, probably about five or six at the swimming pool. We had a three-metre um, standing um, diving board at Lamaru Swimming Centre. And I always aspired to climb to the top of that and uh, dive off. Of course, the time that I went up there and climbed to the top of the three-metre ladder, it suddenly became a lot taller than what it was before we started. Actually, I backed back about four times before I managed to do that. <laughs> Fear changes our perspective. It, sh- it can shrink our God if we allow it, and it can grow the problem. Grow the problem. We need to sit and allow God to show us his perspective, to speak into that situation, what he has for us. Speak the goodness of God and not the hugeness of the challenge that we may face at that point we find ourselves in. Again, the scripture tells us we've not been given a spirit of fear, but a, power, a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Seek that. Seek that spirit. Number four, fear blinds us. Fear is the first observation, and the second thing that throws through this is blindness. And I think they're implicitly linked together. Blindness, darkness evokes fear. Many of us understand that, again, we talk about that fear, the phobia, that fear of the dark. I, I, I can confess as a young man, as a, as a child, being scared of the dark. Yeah. Situations which in the light you're happy to navigate your way through and cope with aren't so easy when you're in the dark, aren't so easy when you're in the dark. Things look different, distances look longer and getting lost seems much easier to do when we're in those places, in those dark places. He blinds us to what is actually happening happening at that point. It's an epidemic in our modern world, fueled by our increased understanding of the wonder of the world. Romans 1.20 tells us, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that, God's, that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so they are without excuse. Wow. 
His invisible attributes, attributes can be clearly seen. How does that work out? Yeah. How do we get to see the invisible attributes of God? His power and his rightful authority in the world. What did Elijah say? Open his eyes, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. We are spirit first. We talked about that before. We are spirit first. Spirit first, expressed in our soul, our mind, our will and our emotions are worked out in and through our physical body. Eternity is written in our hearts. Again, in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, it's 11, sorry, it says, Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning, from beginning to end. That speaks to us as our, in our capacity as humans. Even so, people cannot see. Aren't you glad that God is God and we are who we are? For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against powers and the rules of darkness of the world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's what we wrestle against. I really, as you read that scripture, I noted that the powers don't, the powers don't rule the world. They rule the darkness of the world and not the world. It's an important distinction we need to make. If we're going to defeat our fears. The knowledge that we would face a defeated foe is the key to opening that prison door of fear. So our prayer this morning is that God will open our spiritual eyes to reveal what the truth of the matter is. So oftentimes we're swamped by facts, aren't we? We do it at our, um, the internet and the World Wide Web has allowed us to have immense, immense amounts of information. Some are true, some are not, but there's, there's, there's just an overload of information in that place. Facts are easy to identify. Things that we can taste and touch and smell and see, they're easy to identify. And they can be frustrating, as I said before, overwhelming and even terrifying when you look at that in the natural. We look at those situations and those things that are happening in the world. And that's that sense of uncertainty that, which is swirling around the world currently. But the truth is held in the word, written word of God and the living word of Jesus. That's where the truth comes from. There are facts and then there are truth. And we seek the truth. I speak to truth. The other question we need to ask ourselves is how do we treat the people who are blind? How do we treat the people that surround us who are blind to their understanding of Jesus? I want you to reflect on that this morning as well. Um, for those who don't know me particularly well, I have a younger sister who is blind. She's blind. Um, she, um, but when she was part of our household growing up, there was no favourites for poor old Angela. <laughs> she used to. We would we we'd had an old Vanguard um, sedan, which used to drive to the bus stop every day, and without fail, she took her turn. She would drive us to the bus stop in the old Vanguard. Now. And we, I, I flip back on and think, well, what was I, what were we even thinking doing that? <laughs> um, so the way she used to navigate it, she's told subsequently, is that we had a, our driveway was a, had a grove of almond trees leaning on each side. So she said that when she heard the um, branches banging on the side of the car, she'd turn back in and drive. <laughs> so that's how she navigated her blindness. I'm here for a purpose. That's right. <laughs> But yeah, but 
I love Angela. She's gone on to do the great things. She's gone and she's actually in the local government in her region and really gone on with the place. So, yeah. So that's pretty not probably not the right way to treat someone who's blind to throw them into that situation. But and generally, what do we do with people who have a challenge with blindness? We treat them with respect and care, and make a way for them. We and make, give them tolerance, and as much as possible, protect them from danger and injury. And in our society now, things are growing. Where our understanding of um, access and allowing people to, to be accessed is a, it's a great thing. It's not a bad thing at all. It's good to allow and to make those investments in those places. And we see that in the treatment of, of Elisha's treatment of the captured soldiers. He provides compassion, he provides, provides sustenance, and he releases them into the world. And that's if we talk about the, the, the ministry arms of the church, I think that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to provide sustenance, compassion, and release them into freedom through Jesus Christ, our Lord, as they spend time with us. That's the only way that we're going to see people do that. Compassion sustenance and release them into the freedom that comes through knowing Jesus Christ as he's their Lord and Saviour. So, as I said, so why wouldn't we then treat spiritually blind people the same way, with that same, with that same recipe? We have the ability to release people into that freedom to proclaim life. Yeah. We can direct those who seek spiritual awakenings to this one, the true spiritual awakening of Jesus in their lives. We can say that Jesus, God is with us, has made a way for us when there was no way. When there was no way. In our own, we sang about paying that debt that we couldn't pay in our own strength. He can transform us from the inside out. He can open our spiritual eyes. He can open our He can heal us, restore us, and release us into that, that season of freedom. The words that Jesus spoke as he unrolled the scroll in uh, in, this, in the temple, it said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has ordered me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to delivering those who are crushed. It's a beautiful statement, it's an incredible statement. And Jesus can give us the ability to face those fears and deal with its debilitating effects, which so much shrinks our world. But we have to let go. <laughs> we have to let go. We have to let go of self-reliance and of pride. Any idea that we might be able to make it, if we think we can make it away on our own way and under our own strength, we can't do it. We've got to, we've got to let go. We've got to let go. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. We have to humble ourselves. I want to read you this little excerpt out of uh, James 4, verse 7 to 10, out of the Message Bible. So let God work his will in you. Yell aloud no to the devil and watch him make himself scarce. Say a quiet yes to God and he'll be there in no time. Quit dabbling in sin. Purify your inner life. Quit paying the field. Hit rock bottom and cry your eyes out. The fun and games are over. Get serious, really serious. Get down on your knees before the master. It's the only way you'll get back on your feet. It's the only way to get back on your feet. That broken and contrite heart he seeks for us. Joel 2, the 13, it says, And rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. He seeks us free, free, set us free from those disasters. 
Micah 17 says, Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever, because he delights in his steadfast love. They're good scriptures, aren't they? Yeah. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. Not in the sight of man. Not in the sight of man. We are not here to please people. And in reality, we can't do that. If we seek out seek, uh, plans to try and please people, we're going to come undone every time. If we try and attempt to fulfill that role of God in someone else's life, it's not going to work because we, as before, He is God and we are not. We are not. We're going to be disappointed if we try and allow someone else to be our all in all other than Jesus Christ. Let's summarise. What does fear do to us? It reduces the size of our world. It robs us of our focus. It changes our perspective of what's actually the truth. The facts begin to impact on what we see as the actual truth. And it blinds us. And it blinds us. My prayer for you guys this morning is that we might see a little further. And may their prayers be like this. Let me see what you see. Let me hear what you hear. Let me feel the way you feel. I want you to say, I want that to be my heart, that you would hear that from God. We might be aware that we are spirits wrapped in flesh. Flesh, fresh. Spirits wrapped in flesh. Our struggle is in the spiritual. Powers and principalities that rule the dark, as I said, but don't rule the light. They don't live in the light. They have no place in our lives. No place whatsoever in our lives. But as we finish this morning, I just want to give you this simple word on those simple words that Elisha spoke to the servant at that point. He simply said, Don't be afraid, for there are more on your side than there are on more on our side than there are on yours. There are more on our side than there are on yours. That's good news. That's the good news of the gospel this morning. We're on the winning team. We're on the winning team. Let me pray for you as we finish. Hmm. Father God, I thank you for this, this precious gathering of people here this morning, Father. We release you, the knowledge of your love into their life this morning, Father. We just pray that um, they'll break through the sum of all fears, that you, through your loving kindness, they would understand the truth of the matter and not the facts that present themselves towards you, Father. We just speak life and hope and a destiny to each of these people this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining with us today. If you would like to find out more, you can get in touch with us on our website at bridgecitychurch.com.au. See you next time.